Happy Father's Day. Amen. As I started before, as I was, we were in worship again, I had that same stirring as I did last week about freedom. Amen. I know that several people were touched by that, and I had a, a couple of good texts and emails from people that that ministered to, but I feel the same thing this morning, that there's just a real spirit of freedom in this place this morning. Amen. We're also celebrating Juneteenth, which was a big day of freedom in our nation. Amen. Aren't you glad? Freedom is not an American concept. It's a biblical concept. I know men in this room that have been in prison that are freer than people that have been walking the streets for 50 years because we have to be free on the inside. Amen? Not free just to say and do whatever I want, but free to do what God's called me to do and not be stopped by the fear of man. We get to practice Christianity under the best of circumstances. Does everybody understand that? You and I, we get to practice Christianity. We're not under the threat of death. We're not under the threat. There's no one that's going to come barging in here with guns and arrest us. That's not true all over the world. In nations where there is no Jesus, there is no freedom. I don't understand if people don't believe in the Bible and they don't think that it makes any sense, why are they so scared of it? Why don't they want it in their nation? Why are they so afraid that if that Bible got into their nation, if they don't believe in it or don't believe in the power of it, or if it's all just a big myth, a big unicorn, why do you go to prison for the rest of your life if you get caught with one? Because there's power in his word. There's power in his word. And so we are thankful. I'm thankful. Do you know that all, <laughs> all wars in this world were fought in the United States of America? Whenever it came for freedom, it all died here. All the major wars, because God has used this nation as a beacon for freedom, it's tried to be copied over and over and over. But it was founded on Christian values. And those founders knew that freedom came from God. He's our source. Amen? Well, I'm excited this morning. It's Father's Day. It's a great day. I always hate coming back around to Father's Day in the Bible because there's just not a whole lot to choose from sometimes in the Bible. But we found some good fathers. Um, thank you, Lord. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we just praise you and thank you that this is the day that you've made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. I just thank you for the peace of God right now, which passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds. Father, I pray over this time that we have in your word that, Lord, that you would be magnified above any and all things today, Lord. You are our Father, and we are eternally grateful. So, Father, I just pray right now that we have ears to hear and eyes to see that we will not be distracted, we will not be dissuaded from what you want us to have today. Lord, this atmosphere, Lord, just charged with faith and with freedom. And then, Lord, as we step into your word, Father, we are, we are stepping into revelation knowledge in Jesus' mighty name. I want to go to 1 Kings this morning, 1 Kings chapter 2. Had to go all the way back to 1 Kings to find a good dad. Just kidding. 
1 Kings, and this is actually King David and Solomon. And uh, as we've been reading through the Bible, I, I have such a hard time reading through the Bible at this time of the year. I just do, because you start, and all of a sudden when you get into like Solomon, and you, well, you get into to, to Saul, and you get into, you go from Samuel, and you get into this thing with Saul, and, and then you get into David, and then you get into this great thing with Solomon. I mean, in, in Israel, it's kicking Solomon. He's ruling the world for about 40 years, and then the whole thing just goes downhill. And then you start reading about king after king after king. And they either said one of two things about him, and he did right in the sight of the Lord, or he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it seems like the majority, when the kingdom split, the majority of it is they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And it almost breaks my heart to see how far this people had fallen from where they once were, where you had Solomon who was ruling the world, the queen of Sheba. You had dignitaries, other kings and queens coming to this man for his great wisdom. They had everything. Silver was so common, you were just kicking it on the ground. Didn't, it's kind of like now, didn't have any value because there was so much of it. The word of God was prevalent. The worship was amazing. They had everything. They were practicing Judaism under the best of circumstances. But they didn't know that their freedoms were about to be taken away from them. We have to remember what we're built on. We have to recognize that God is our source and not our government. We have to recognize that regardless of who we put into office, it's still our job as the body of Christ to do our part, to pray, to believe, to stand, to vote. We still have to do those things. And so as I was reading this this morning and going over it again, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. And this is David's last words to his son. And so we'll begin in verse, let's just read verse 1, and we'll read a couple of verses in. 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That's good advice from a father to a son, isn't it? If you're going to leave advice, that's the advice that we want to leave from a father to a son. Now, let's recognize, let's just say that David had not had the smoothest kingship ever. Let's just say that I don't know how many of David's children had already died before we even got to this point. At least three of them had already died. One died as a baby. One died killed by his own brother. The other son died, Absalom, when he tried to overthrow the brother. Oh, yeah, by the way, the, 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 the king, the, the chief counselor that Absalom used, I believe his name was Alethopel. Do you know who that man was in the Bible? 
That was Bathsheba's grandfather. When Absalom rose up, this grandfather had never forgotten what David did to Bathsheba's husband. Never forgotten it. And when there was an opportunity for payback, that's why he sided with Absalom. So let's just say that things politically in this nation were a little messed up. And in the midst of it, now you have David who's got to anoint and leave his youngest son, Solomon, as king. And this is messed up. He says, I'm not just leaving you as a son. I've got to let you know that politically, you better watch your back, son, because these people will kill you if you're not wise. So wouldn't you think that the advice that David's about to give Solomon is important? Don't you think that these last few words are the words that are going to keep him? Because he's about to put himself in such political peril. He's about to put himself in a position of vulnerability because David is no longer there to protect him. He's got to be a man. So he makes this first statement, and I love it. He says, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Now, I don't know about you and me, but when I hear that in this vernacular, in this century, be strong and prove yourself a man, I hear him saying, okay, Solomon, you go out there and you work hard and you be hard and you burn the midnight oil and you be tough and you be gruff and don't take anything from anybody, you be strong. Isn't that what we feel like as men sometimes when it says be strong? Don't ever let him see you cry, Solomon. Be a man, be strong. When you fall down, don't cry. When you get hurt, don't ever show emotion. That's not what David was saying at all. When he looked at his son and he said, be strong, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, he was saying those words, and let me give you just a little definition of what they mean. When he tells him to be strong, he's telling him, be firm, be courageous, but listen to this to be or grow firm. And that word become, that that word prove means to become. He was saying, Solomon, don't stop growing. Solomon, don't stop increasing who you are. Don't stop growing as a man because in order for you to do everything that you're called to do, you got to keep growing. You can't be satisfied with where you are today as a man. So men today, men, we have been relegated as monitors. Everybody ever see the commercials where there's a bank robbery? There's a person in a uniform dressed as a policeman. The person laying on the ground says, help, we're being robbed. And he says, I'm not a policeman, I'm just a monitor. Yes, you're right. I see we are being robbed. Funny joke. I have helped coach at my kids' schools for years. I was the golf coach for the last two years. And I always laugh because I'm not a great golfer. So I always call myself, I'm a golf monitor. I am not a golf coach. I'm a monitor. I'm here just to watch what's going on. Men, we cannot be monitors in our home. We're not there just to point out the things that are wrong. We know what's wrong. God put us there to deal with those situations. When my kids would bring me homework that I didn't understand, I would point it to Michelle. I was a monitor. 
Amen? Dad, I've got physics homework. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Call Mr. Physics up and ask him what, he, what you need to know, you know? But what we're saying today, men, as fathers, we don't need monitors in the home. We have to be men. We have to prove ourselves strong. Men, God's not done with you yet. Your time of growing and growth and learning and increase, they're not over. We were never created to stop growing. And I want to encourage all the dads in this place today. Sometimes we get into this routine where we go to work and it turns out for one day and then it's two days and then it's a week and then it's a month and then it's a year and the next thing you know, 40 years have gone by. And you've been good because you've been going to the same job and you've been providing for your family and you've been doing all these neat things to make sure that your family, but inside you're not satisfied because at some point along the road, you quit growing. And all of a sudden, we just kept doing a job and doing a job and doing a job, waiting so that we could get to this one day, this thing called retirement. I don't even know what that is. I just want to encourage us today. One of the main things that, that King David told Solomon was be strong and prove yourself a man. How do we prove ourselves to be men? We do that by we never stop growing. Find out what you've been called to do and go after it with all of your might. One of the biggest lies that there is is that you cannot teach an old dog new tricks. You give that dog enough bacon, it'll do whatever you want. What's in your heart, men? What's in your heart, dads? Do you want to write? Do you want to sing? Do you have a hobby? Is there something that you want to do? Is there something that God's put on your heart? Are you creative? Are you an artist? Are you a singer? Are you a painter? Don't. Stop growing. But most importantly, don't stop growing in the things of God. There's never a time, dads, when we set aside the word of God because I've seen it, I've done it, whatever. I'm charging every man in this place today, don't let go of the things of God. How many men, how many fathers have had things prophesied over you that have not come to pass yet? Raise your hands. What's that mean? God's not done with us yet. Amen? God's not done with you yet. God's not done. If he's promised you something, if he's proven anything by being our father, he's proven that he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. And it's my job by faith to believe that I receive what they are. Amen? David, a seasoned king who understood all Solomon was about to walk into, both in the kingdom and politically, he tells him to grow into the man you need to be so that you can become a great king and man. Don't stop growing. One of my favorite verses in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, and I preached this for years, it says, in his completed experience, making him perfectly equipped so that he could become. He's talking about Jesus. And through his completed experience, he became perfectly equipped so that he could become. Fathers, 
each one of us, we should be in search of our completed experience. Once we fill up that completed experience, then we are going to become whatever it is that God wants you to be. But the problem is, is that we don't stop. We stop with that completed experience. We think because of time. We think because of resources. We think because of the economy. We think because of circumstances that these things will never come to pass. God thrives in famine. God thrives in the impossible. He lives to make us go, how did he do that? He thrives when they say it can't be done. He says, watch. Men, don't let go. Amen? God's not done with you yet. The world, listen to me, fathers. You're not just a father for you. Other fathers are watching you in your workplace, in your job, wherever you go. How people judge you is how they look at your kids. One of the great things about my dad, and there are many, is that there's two things that my father's going to tell me at least once a week. Two things. Number one, Jack, I found something new in the Word. I was reading these books. Let me share with you what I read. I'm reading five books right now, and this is what I learned, and I want to share this. Number two, guess what? I learned something on the golf course today. I learned something. He's 82 years old, been playing golf for 81 of those years, but he still gets excited because he learned something new on the golf course. Matter of fact, if he's struggling in an area, and men, this will help you, he'll still go get a lesson if something's out of place. Men, when's the last time any of us went and got a lesson for anything that was out of place? We just let it keep going and hope it'll work itself out. It's kind of like that light in your car. We just start ignoring it. When that warning light comes on, well, it'll get brighter if we need to change it. Men, ask for a lesson. If something's not working in your life, if something's out of place, if something's out of order, don't be too proud to ask for help. See, but we were made that we are the rulers of our kingdom. We, we are the one. This is my home. This is my castle. I would never show weakness to another man. And family after family drops and drops and drops and drops because no one will ask for help. This is so good this morning. I'm going to buy this CD myself. I want to encourage the men today. I want to encourage the dads. How many men want to be a dad that are not? Amen. Amen. It's a good, it's a wonderful thing. You remember the old joke when you were unsaved and not in church and people ask you, well, are you a father? What did you say? Not that I know of. That was the sentiment. That was the mentality, wasn't it? It was this badge of honor that we would go around and procreate but take no responsibility for what we'd done. The world doesn't need more breeders. The world needs fathers. 
It needs a father that will get down on his knees and will get in the face of that little boy and that little girl and you will tell them no because you are the door to their home and nothing comes into that house unless it comes through you. No young man gets into your daughter unless he comes through you. Your young man does not go out unless he's been prepared and knows how to handle and how to act and how to treat a young lady because he's watched how the father has treated the wife. Only then is he prepared to go out into the world, to go out with someone. Men, we are there. We are doorkeepers. We are providers, yes, but we are so much more. We are present in the home. I do not walk in the door and go into my room and shut the door and not come out all night. I'm with my kids. I'm with my kids all the time. I took my kids to the mall yesterday. Don't go to the mall. My goodness. Well, unless you're going to do an outreach, then go to the, go to the mall. Amen. I love being with my kids. My kids love being with me. I love walking into my dad's golf club. You know why? Because when they see me, they're like, oh, you're Jack's son? I have such favor because of him. Because his name is good. And because his name is good, I get the sloppy rollover favor because I'm his son. That's the kind of dad we want to be. We want to leave a mark, dads, wherever we go. Amen? I don't know why I keep thinking about this, but there was a 30 for 30, and that's on ESPN, and they do these little sports documentaries. And they did this one on this high school called Dallas Carter. And I don't know if you remember back in the 80s, but Dallas Carter played Odessa Permian in the state football championships. And there were a lot of politics that went into it and a lot of back and forth. And Dallas Carter, they were in the movie Friday Night Lights. They were a bad team. They had eight, nine, 10, 11 kids that were bona fide, had been signed by colleges as soon as they were done with their senior years. They were going to start in some of the biggest colleges in the United States, Miami, Oklahoma, Texas, all of them. They were all first-round kids. Their lives were set. They had nothing to do except graduate. So they win the state championship. They finish the football season. But how many of us know that football is the first half of the season, that the second half they still just have to go to school? Well, some of these kids got bored, and they started doing armed robberies. And it started off as something that was simple, but the next thing you know, more of them started doing it. There was an adrenaline rush to it. They started using guns. They started targeting places where they worked. They hurt some people. Well, guess what? They got caught. Every one of them lost all of their scholarships. Only one of the group who did not involve himself, and I can't think of his name. He went and played for the Giants. That he was a linebacker for the Giants, multi-million dollar career, went on, Hall of Fame, great. And I remember one of the administrators because they stripped them of the state football championship. Stripped them. And I'll never forget this lady. She's an administrator for Dallas. And she said, now when people say Dallas Carter, they go, hmm. Hmm. There's all that hmm now. Oh, them. I don't want to be the dad that when they hear my name, they go, hmm. Oh. Hmm. Oh. That was your dad. Oh. I want to be the dad where they go, that was your dad? Your dad did this for me, and your dad did this for me. 
And your dad was always there. And your dad was there when, no, when we were needed this, your dad did it. That's the dad. Men, we, we're leaving a legacy. What are you leaving behind today as fathers? What's your legacy? What's going to be there when, you, when you're gone? What are they going to remember about you? There's so much more to this than meets the eye. There's so much more to being a father than just having children. There's an impartation that has to be made. It's bringing your kids to church. It's instilling in him a moral compass because I'm not raising my children just for me. I'm raising them for you. I'm raising my kids for you. So when they go out into this world, they're not going to tear it up. They're going to build it up. My children are going to go out, and they're going to make a difference in this world like your children are going to go out and make a difference. When they hear the name pigeon, first they laugh. But I want them to go, you're Jack's son. I can't tell you how many places I go where I'll say I'm Jack Pigeon, and they go, Pigeon, are you Jack's son? Yes, sir, I am. I remember your dad. Took $500 from me on a golf bet. No, 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 no. It was only 100 and he paid it out. Listen to me. Solomon did not prove himself a man by being brutal and by taking things by force. Solomon proved himself a man by doing these very simple things. He proved himself a man in wisdom, courage, Oh my goodness, could we talk about courage? Takes courage to be a dad. Takes courage to get up every day to take care of your kids. It takes courage to go out and face the world like we do every single day. It takes courage to go into that job to a place that you don't want to be. To take orders from a person you don't like. To be passed over and passed up when you thought you had earned that. It takes courage to stand up and say no. It takes courage to stand up in our own homes to our own kids and say no. Because there is such a drive for parents and kids to be friends, and that is from the pit of hell. I am friends with my dad now, because I'm 56 and he's 82. We were not friends when I was in high school. He loved me so much, he asked me to leave his home. We were not friends. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. He asked me to leave his home while I still love you because I would not follow the rules of the house. Be in, 2 o'clock. That was a.m., not p.m. Come to church every Sunday. And when I broke those two rules over and over and over, that's what he said, I, I, I need to ask you to leave while I still love you. And I did. And I went, and I was that prodigal son, and I ate with the hogs, and all of a sudden I had a thought. And I went home, and I've been home for 30 years. And he, they, they mentored me, and they, you know, and no one thought any of this was ever going to, this was never even, this was, no one even thought this was even possible. You know, they were just praying I'd stay out of prison. 
let alone that God wouldn't just save me, but he gave me a job. We need strong fathers. Now is the time for strong fathers. Fathers, if you're wavering in your faith, you need to be a part of a church where there's a group of men that can gather around you and encourage you in your faith. You need to know that you're not alone because that's the number one thing that Satan does to fathers is he isolates you and tells you you're the only one going through this, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. You need it. We just finished, and I'm not going to have anybody stand up or a raise of hands, but we just finished over a year and a half of the Conquer series where we took two groups of men. We did 10 or 18 at a time, took them through a 10-week program on purity, and it touched so many men in so many powerful ways. Marriages got better. People got better. Amen. We went through a, I felt like an 80-week Warpath series where every Tuesday night we had men that were coming to the church, putting their time aside so they could find out how to be a better man. You're in a safe church, men. There are men in this room right now that I would bet my life on that I trust that if you are going through something, there is help here if you will ask for it. I cannot do it. You need a lesson. If you need a lesson, then you need to let us know, and we will help you in that area. Amen? God's way, God's will, it always works. All right, I'm going to get to my notes now. Y'all ready? No, just a couple more points, and I'll let you go. Thank you, Lord. Something just to remember is that the kingdom of Israel was not built on how many soldiers they had. It wasn't built on how much gold they had. It wasn't predicated on its natural resources. It wasn't its government. Everything that happened in Israel was based on, did you observe all of my commands? Did you observe all my commands? Did you do what I told you to do? Didn't matter how much money they had didn't matter who they were at war with. It didn't matter what was happening politically. None of that made no difference. The only thing that mattered in Israel was to keep Israel prosperous is are you doing what I told you to do? Are you living according to my commandments? Are you living according to my precepts? Are you living according to my testimonies? If you will do these things, if you will be prospered, over and over, and men, that's how our homes need to be built. I would rather live in a house with laughter than in a house filled with things. And for some reason, we think as men that the more things we have, the more money we get, the better our homes are gonna be. I have more fun sitting around my dinner table and laughing, eating macaroni and cheese, than I ever did being in someone's house where there was absolutely no love. Men, give your family some laughter. Make them laugh. Don't be crude and don't be weird. All the ladies said. But men, make them laugh. It's okay. Tell a joke. Peter, I'm sure at Peter's house they laugh all the time, right, Peter? Just joke after joke after joke. Peter's rushing and he's going, no. 
We have so much to offer and our children are with us for such a short time. Amen? When the Bible says, keep my testimonies, what he was telling his son was, remember my warnings. When he says, keep my judgments, that means if I've already judged something, don't go back and try and retry the case. If I've already judged something, don't go back and try and retry it. It will not end up well for you. If I've already made a judgment about something, it's been judged. Don't then allow it back in because it was not there for a reason. But it just always seemed to happen. It was over and over and over that Israel would just stumble and fall. And the next thing you know, they're worshiping the most horrid, worst things. Why did that happen? It's because they didn't keep the commandments of the Father. Listen to me. We, are, we sometimes in our homes, and I'm the same way, we're kind of like Moses the lawgiver. You know, we've come down from the mountain, and these are the laws, kids, and this is how it's going to be. Once you wake up from having that mentality, and we understand that we're not the lawgiver, amen, we are there as a standard to hold the commandments of God. Michelle and I we're a team. We are mutually submitted. There's order in my household because I am submitted to God. Therefore, by her own free will and her own choice, submits to me. Submission is a choice. Don't you ever let somebody come up and tell you that the Bible says you have to submit. It's not in there. It's a choice, and that's what makes it submission. When we're submitted to God, we're submitted to one another, then my children, and they submit themselves to us. And let me tell you, there's order there is harmony, and there is blessing. Men, I love you. Dads, you're doing a great job. I want to encourage you in your fathership today. But let me leave you with this. Be a faither. Be a faither. All you have to do is add an eye to father to be a faither. Give your children the legacy of faith. Fathers, if you want to teach your children one thing, teach them to live by faith. Teach them that the God of the Bible is their God too. And then when they cry out to them like you cried out to them, he'll answer the same way. Teach your children that they're not limited to their circumstances or what they have, that they serve a God that, like I said before, he thrives in the impossible that he's there, that he loves them, and he wants to take care of them, and he wants to operate the same way. Did you ever think, and I'm finishing, did you ever think that when you stop and you pray, you're praying to the same God that David did? You're praying to the same God that Solomon did? You're praying to the same God that Jesus did? That you're praying to the same God that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of the disciples, Paul, all of them did the exact same thing that you're doing? And look at the results that they got. When we pray, things change. Fathers, pray for your children. Pray for their destiny. If you've messed up, start over today. Apologize and start over today. Be a present father. We have the greatest responsibility, the greatest charge than any other person in the world. We were called to be fathers. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may stand. So good to be in the house of the Lord.
want to remind all of our first-time guests that we have guest services. It looks like the rigs are heading back there right now, and those are some of our pastors on staff. We've got something we'd like to bless you with. Where y'all taking Dad for lunch? Who's going out for lunch? Where are you going? Where are you going? Tornado Burger. That sounds like a dad place. I can't think of a more dad place than Tornado Burger. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you to do something weird, which we haven't done in a long time. Would you grab hands with the person next to you? I don't think we've done this since COVID. Grab hands with the person next to you. If you're single, look to the left and to the right. I don't know. Just checking. Bow your heads. Father, thank you for this great people. Thank you, Lord, for the lives, the destinies, the purposes, the plans that are represented in this room. Father, I just release a blessing right now upon every person, upon every marriage, upon every, every person in this room. Lord, let them experience the love of God in ways that they've never experienced it before. I take authority over condemnation and guilt in the name of Jesus. I break the power of every evil word spoken over you by a father. And Father, right now in the name of your son Jesus Christ, we take our place as sons and daughters of the King we worship you and we praise you because you are good. You're good in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Hallelujah. You are dismissed. We will see you next Sunday.